Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure and our privilege to present to you tonight George Edwards in a radio version adapted by Betty Rowland of one of the world's great literary masterpieces, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It took the genius of Robert Louis Stevenson to fashion this tale of the dual forces which are forever at war in every human breast. The powers of good and evil that lie dormant in us all. And he has given us a tale so weird, so strange, and yet so filled with the eternal conflict of man's immortal soul that we who hear it stand petrified. Because in the tormented character of this strange fantasy... We see ourselves. Step by step, we will take you along the tortuous path, followed by young Henry Jekyll, fortune's darling, born to great riches, talented and handsome, until we see the final dissolution of this unhappy being who sought to split his soul in twain and assume a separate identity for each side of his dual nature, the one entirely good, the other completely evil. We will begin by looking into the handsome country residence of his father, Edward Jekyll, a wealthy London merchant who has retired to his estate to enjoy the fruits of a successful career on the stock exchange. He is a man whom anyone might envy, still in the prime of life, enjoying the esteem of all who knew him, blessed with the love of a gracious woman and the father of a splendid son. It is Christmas Day, and fires are burning brightly in the vast chimney pieces of the Jekyll house. Snow spangles the trees in the great park surrounding the gardens. And in the clear, crystal air, the chiming of church bells comes clearly from the little village just a mile or so beyond the gates. Henry! Henry, there's Mr. Bunning with his choir. Open the windows, dear, and show him that we're here. All right, Mother. Are you sure it won't be too cold for you? Not a bit. I've got this warm cloak on, and it isn't half so cold now that the sun has commenced to shine. to choose the wines for dinner. Well, I'll go and fetch him then. And I'll go and make sure there's ample cake to go around. And look, there's Mr. Utterson and Margaret just driving through the gate. Oh, isn't that nice? I was so hoping they'd call in today. Uh, tell your father, dear, and then run out and meet them. Oh, I do hope they can stay and have Christmas dinner with us. There's no one I'd rather have than them. Another glass of this port, Addison, before we go into the drawing room. Thanks. I think I will. What a glorious color it has. Fill me a beaker full of the warm south, eh? <sighs> this wine was part of a gift to my grandfather from the Duke of Alba. It's lasted a long time. 
But I think they'll be sufficient for young Henry to celebrate his Christmases with. How the lad is shooting up. How old is he now? He'll be 12 in April. I'll have to think about sending him away to college soon. He's getting too much for a tutor. You must be very proud of him. But what about your daughter? She's got her fair share of good looks, don't you think? Oh, yes. Margaret's a bonny lass. A very bonny lass. Ah, there are the children outside now. What's that Margaret's carrying? Hmm? Oh, I think it must be the doll my wife got for her last week when we were up in London. A doll? Why, from here it looks as large as a real baby. How delighted she'll be. Just look at the way she holds it. Haven't you seen a mother carrying her child that way? And the look on her face. I can see it from here. Purest raptor. Notice the way she walks. She's afraid of slipping on the snow and letting it drop. I've noticed the expression of the little girl's face when she's carrying her doll. Just the same rapt, inward look of utter bliss that a mother has. I really think they feel the same. All of which is quite beyond Henry's scope of understanding. <laughs> look how impatiently he waits for her. The eternal male itching to be off on adventure. with you. I'm coming. I told you you should have left that silly old doll behind. It's not a silly old doll. Yes, it is. Look at its staring eyes. Whoever saw any one with eyes like that? I think they're beautiful. And she's got real eyelashes, too. And they open her shut. And she says, Mama. <coughs> well, you're going to stand there all day admiring it, or you're going to come with me. Where do you want me to go? Down to Red Hill. The snow's deep there. I gave it a try out after church this morning. The new sleigh's a dream. Faster than anyone else's by a mile. I don't think I want to go slaying, Henry. What? Before we had dinner, you could hardly wait. Well, I've changed my mind. Well, I know what it is. You've got that doll now. What if I have? It doesn't stop you from coming slaying with me. Of course it doesn't. But I just don't want to, that's all. You prefer a silly-looking, waxing-faced image to me, do you? Very well, then. I'll ask Phyllis Mortimer to go. She'll jump at the chance. Ask her. I don't care. Oh, yes, you do. You hate her. I know you do. I saw the look on your face when we were skating together last week. Who? What do I care who you skate with? That's not true. You do care. And if you don't come with me now, I'll ask her to be my partner at the children's party tonight. Very well, then. I shall dance with the squire's son. He's already asked me to. More than once, too. Oh, no, you won't. You're not going to dance with that pimply-faced ninny. He's a very nice boy. He has lovely manners. And he's never rude and horrid like you are. He's got buck teeth, and he breathes through his mouth like a, a grampus. He's promised to take me to the next other hunt. And I shall probably go and stay at the manor after the new year. You're coming to stay here. I heard Mother ask your father. Papa lets me go when I choose. And you're going to choose to come and stay with us. And you're going to come slaying with me now, do you hear? Indeed. Yes. Go inside and put away that doll. I should think a big girl like you would be ashamed to play with dolls. I don't, don't care what you think. And anyway... Ten isn't too old for dolls? Yes, it is. Phyllis Mortimer's only nine, and she smashed her last doll over a year ago. Phyllis Mortimer's balls and bowls. I heard your mother say so. Oh, Margaret, come on. You're wasting the afternoon. Be getting dark soon. Well, I'm not coming, so there. Yes, you are. I'm going to make you. No, you're not. Give me that doll. No! No! Henry, stop it! Oh! Margaret! Margaret! What's the matter? Speak to me! Oh, oh Margaret! Henry! Henry, what on earth have you done? She slipped over the step. Oh, Father, she's not dead, is she? Let me have a gentle for mercy's sake. Oh, Margaret, my darling. I think she's only stunned, Addison. We'll carry her inside. Henry, run and tell your mother. Tell her not to be alarmed. It can't be serious. 
There are only half a dozen steps. But she struck ahead as she fell. I saw it through the window. Yes, yes, I know. Don't let's waste any time. We'll send for the doctor right away. Oh, my darling, my darling. Oh, God, don't let anything happen to her. My little girl. Margaret, Margaret. Steady, old man. She's my whole life. If anything should happen, I... I just couldn't go on. She'll be all right in a week or so, just slight concussion, that's all. She's sleeping quietly now, and I, I expect her to wake up almost herself again. Thank you, Doctor. I... I can't say what a relief this is. And these young things are liable to suffer all sorts of mishaps, sir. How did it happen? She... Uh, she was playing with Mr. Jekyll's boy on the top of some steps. I don't know exactly how it came about, but uh, she slipped. Mm, very easily done. The ground's like glass after the freeze last night. Well, I'll be getting along. Be down in the morning. Uh, no excitement, man. Oh, we'll see to that. Well, uh, good night, then. Good night. Good night. Thank you, Addison, old friend. What for? For what you said about the accident. You might easily have said so much more. As far as I'm concerned, nothing more need be said, ever. That's not so. There's something I feel I have to say. Something that I've wanted to say to you for a long time, yet lacked the resolution. Will you sit down with me for a while before we go to Mrs. Jekyll? Why, certainly. Is there something that troubles you? Something that troubles me very deeply. Addison, did you... Did you notice my son's face as he tried to tear the doll out of Margaret's arms this afternoon? You mean just before she fell? Yes, I did. What did you think? Well, to be truthful, there was something on the face of that boy that struck terror into my heart. I know. What's the meaning of it? I've seen it from time to time, and it's always the same. Something so evil, so hideously profane, seems to peer out from behind the mask of his features that I... I can't believe my eyes. You saw it this afternoon. Yes. Has it happened very often? Not more than half a dozen times in his life. The first occasion was when he was little more than two years old. He was playing with his nurse, a woman of whom he was particularly fond. And suddenly I saw the change, and he turned and sank his teeth into her arm until she screamed with pain. We had to almost prize his jaws apart. It was... It was the most horrible thing I'd ever seen. And when did it happen next? About two years later. My spaniel had a litter of puppies. Little soft lumps of silk. Henry was playing with them when suddenly I heard the mother dog begin to wail and Henry laughed. Never as long as I live will I forget that sound. It wasn't the laugh of a child, but that of a fiend. I rushed to where he was. He had broken their backs. Every puppy lay dead at his feet. Good heavens. And then another time... For heaven's sake, what's that? It's Henry. He has terrible nightmares after, after one of the attacks. I must go to him at once. It's Julie. Oh, Edward Jekyll, my poor friend. You are indeed in need of help. May God have pity on you. And on your son's. 